0: Some of you can remember when the seatbelt law came into effect. If y'all can remember before the seatbelt law, let's see your hands. Wow, OK. Now then, how many of you can remember when the open range went out without went the window? We had to start putting fences up. Let's see your hands. Two of us, three of us, okay. Yeah, y'all can. so none of y'all can remember the time whenever hogs were found on the side of the road all the time because people just let them run all through the woods and there were no fences along the side of the road. Uh, it was a different time back then. But as far as the seat belt law that nearly every one of you can remember before that, some people had a hard time accepting that law Uh, And they didn't want to wear seatbelts. And there's one guy in particular, he was in New Zealand, and uh, his name was Ivan Segedin. And he took this to the extreme. He got ticketed 32 times over five years for not wearing his seatbelt. And uh, even though it was costing him big money, he just refused to buckle up. Now, finally, instead of obeying the law, he decided that he'd do something else. He came up with a fake seat belt. He came up with this thing that would put a strap across him where it looked like he was buckled in and he wasn't. And this worked just great for him. He never got another ticket. Never. But what did happen, he had a head-on collision. He was thrown forward onto the steering wheel, and he was killed. His false seat belt couldn't save him. If there's a moral to this story, it's this. When tested, what's false will not save you. We've been looking at the book of Jude and we're wrapping up today. Some of you are saying, oh, yay! finally. But uh, it's he's addressing us today. He wanted to write a letter to the church about our common salvation. He wanted to major on what's real about our faith. The story of Jesus Christ, the son of God who became man and who died for our sins, and rose to offer us new life. But Jude became aware that there was a problem. He was writing to a church that had some teachers that were giving out false seatbelts. He's writing to a church that's finding this common salvation, this faith once for all delivered to the saints, being attacked, and people being misled, people being led astray. And Jude explained why this is a problem that we need to be concerned about. Remember, when tested, what's false will not save you. And so today we come to the end of Jude. And Jude tells us, but you Do these things. You're different from the world. So you do things differently. And here's what he told us to do. Number one, don't be surprised that there are false teachers. He's saying that this is to be expected. So don't be surprised. It's going to happen. And throughout the New Testament, we're warned that in the last days, the days between Jesus' death and resurrection and his coming again, false teachers and scoffers will periodically appear. The Bible continuously warns us to expect this and to guard against it because it's going to happen. He says, don't let it surprise you, but God has a plan. And then he tells us, what we need to be doing. And the first thing that he says is this, keep yourselves in the love of God. Secure your own spiritual position. This is the first thing that you have to do. Secure your own faith. Don't be pulled aside by these false teachers. And uh, before you can address the false teachers or the false teaching, Make sure that you are in the faith. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, this is foremost to Jude as you face all the things that you're going to face in the world today, make sure that your number one priority is to keep yourselves in the love of God. And this is sometimes more difficult than you really would think it would be. Because just like Adam and Eve, when we mess up, we're prone to hide. We're prone to start kind of shying away from God and not wanting to go before him in prayer because we're ashamed. And so what we do is we wind up drifting further and further away. But the moment that we turn back toward him with the guilt in our hearts that's there because we've offended him and we apologize, it's all right again. Once we confess, he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, even that one that you've been getting led astray by, getting pulled off by, and he'll get you back on track. And that's how you keep in the love of God. Don't keep going away from it. Instead, just remember, he loved you while you were ungodly. He loved you while you were yet in your sins. And he loves you still, even if you've drifted off into sin again. All you have to do is repent. And I say that like it's easy. For some reason, it's hard sometimes to want to come back. Once you've messed up, it's hard to want to get back in his presence. But once you get back in his presence, it's like, why did I ever, ever want to stay away from this God who loves me so much. And so uh, we need to keep ourselves in the faith, keep ourselves in the love of God. He loves you even whenever you may not think he does. Just remember that. And then this describes some steps that we can take in order to keep ourselves in the love of God. Number one, build yourself up, in our most holy faith number two pray in the holy spirit number three look forward with hope to christ's return so how do you build yourself up in your most holy faith you start by keeping in mind who god is and who you are you find this faith in the bible and in godly teachers and preachers of truth Psalm 8, 1 through 9 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. He created us. And he made us a part of something that's much bigger than we are. And one of the things I was talking to another preacher the other day, and he said, you know what seems to be missing from a lot of preaching and a lot of just the Christian life that we see being lived today? It's awe. Awe of God. Because he is an awesome God. And uh, my goodness, the last few weeks, just looking at the clouds have just brought me awe. I found myself just stopping and taking pictures of clouds to make screensavers out of because they've been so beautiful. And uh, there's just you look around and you see just the awesomeness of God all around you. He created us and he made us part of something much bigger than we are. And he has plans for you. And he has plans for his creation. And through his son, Jesus Christ, he's invited us to work with him in his plan. This awesome God wants you to be and invites you to work along with him. If you're really aware of who God is and who you are, you don't just go to him with your gift list. Your want list. Now, your wants and your needs are important to God. And He says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desire of your heart. He'll do that. But uh, you will never be praying in the Spirit unless you put His plans before your preferences. And now, This is Christmas time. It's coming on us. It just dawned on me, I just have, this is my last sermon before Christmas Eve. I don't preach next Sunday. The children are going to bring the message next Sunday. And then we're not going to have a service that morning, and we'll have a service on Christmas Eve. And y'all don't forget that and show up here on Christmas morning unless you just want to Praise the Lord outside. You can do that if you want to, but uh, the door's going to be locked, sad to say. But uh, with these false teachers and all this stuff that we've been talking about, uh, I realized this past week that Christmas is being hijacked by the world. Have you noticed that? I mean, in so many different ways and in ways that are so subtle that they can get you off beam. They can get you off track as far as the true faith and leave you confused with the end of the day. And so I will just go over a couple of these with you today. And the first one is uh, what the world says about peace and what the Bible says about peace. So. Uh, Whenever I was in the woodlands, one of the great ceremonies every year, according to the community, was the lighting of the doves. And they had these three big doves made out of light that were they were three doves flying up, and they were supposed to represent the three great uh, faiths the three great uh, faiths, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And so we were gathering to celebrate all three of these. That didn't make sense, but they all got there. Oh, this is so good. We're all together. We're all of one accord. This is so neat. And, uh, and they, well, it was my turn to pray. They tried to be getting me to pray not in Jesus name. And I couldn't do that. I'm a Christian. So uh, but anyway, you see, that was a very subtle thing. And it had to do with world. You, you do two, two fingers, don't you? World peace, world peace. And somehow the world has twisted the Christmas message into a message that we are somehow supposed to be striving for world peace and that we can bring peace to the world. I remember back in the 90s, uh, there was this big thing. You'd see these bumper stickers, visualize world peace. Like if we could just all somehow channel our th- thoughts and our hearts toward world peace, it would manifest itself in the world. Now, what's that got to do with Jesus? You know, there's something wrong there. And so, but visualize world peace. And about that time, one of our daughters wound up going to uh, uh, visit a, uh, a, a, a church with her little friend. Her little friend had come to our church a few times. And so it was only right but uh, this was one of those churches. It was a Unitarian Universalist church. And uh, uh, in Sunday school, our daughter came back telling us that in Sunday school, they gave us dream sickles. And what they would do, they'd say, did you visualize a dream sickle this morning? Yeah. And they give us a dream sickle. And they got to one little boy and they said, did you visualize a dream sickle this morning? He said, I visualized two. <laughs> he got two dream out of that deal. Because if he visualized them and he didn't get them, that'd mess up the whole lesson, you know? So, uh, anyway, but you see, that's just getting so far from what it's really all about. Now, the angel did say, or the angel sang, Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But that tied into the greatest gift that was ever given, which Jesus himself summarized when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in that announcement that the angels gave that day, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men with whom he is well pleased. You see, the peace was connected with the gift. The gift that was given that day, and this is something else people get wrong, was not the gift of salvation. The gift that was given that day was the gift of a savior. Savior so that we could come to salvation, so that we could come. And he, he then it's peace with God. And like Jesus said, a peace that passes all understanding. His peace he gives to us, not as the world gives as he gives to us. That's the context that it's in, not in world peace. We will never bring about world peace. It's told to us in the Bible. Toward the end, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Look what's going on right now in the Middle East, in the birthplace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There is a horrible war going on, even as we speak this. Then we uh, sit here this day and amazingly. The two sides both reject Jesus as Lord and Savior. Is that ironic? Uh, the Hamas—they are out to kill everyone in Jerusalem and in, 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 in Israel. They're out to destroy Israel. Israel is defending itself against being destroyed, and at the same time, neither one of them will accept Jesus Christ. Just think about that. Uh, Way way back, it's not new. Back in the time whenever uh, Spain was uh, occupied by uh, by the Moors, who were uh, Muslims, uh, if there was a uh, there's a saying in if you see a ruckus somewhere, the saying is "I cristianos y moros." There's Christians and Moors. You say, "What's going on over there?" "I cristianos y moros," and what that means is. There's Christians and Muslims there. And when Christians and Muslims get together, there's a fight. That was the way it was back hundreds of years ago. It hasn't changed. But uh, they are out to win the world for their God. And uh, their God is not our God. They think that it is, but it's not. And they are extremely sincere in their degrading people, in killing people, in chopping off people's little heads. They are extremely sincere. But you see, they are sincerely wrong. You can just being sincere is not enough. As far as the other side in Israel, in my contemporary Judaism class, I presented a paper one time, or I turned in a paper about why can't a a person who is of the Jewish faith Just recognize that the Messiah has come, that Jesus has come and be a Christian Jew. And the greater my paper just went crazy. He said, you just can't do that because you can't be a Christian and a Jew. If you're a Christian, you're not a Jew. If you're a Jew, you're not a Christian. You just can't do that. Now, uh, (coughs) Rabbi Schneider would differ with that. He's a completed Jew. He is one like I was visualizing, a a Jewish person who has been converted and become a Christian. He's a Jewish person that recognizes Jesus as Yeshua Hamashiach. He is the Christ, and they, those guys, as far as I'm concerned, they got it together more than any of us. You know, I mean, because that's the way that Jesus was, except he was the Messiah instead of just recognizing the Messiah. But according to most Jews, if you become a Christian, you're not a Jew anymore. You can that, uh, They just don't mix. It's oil and water. You can't be both. And so here are both sides fighting in the land where the greatest gift ever given since all creation to mankind was given. And neither one of them is willing to receive that gift. We need to be praying. Now, and this is what I was getting around to as far as peace goes. There are, there's a difference between Hamas and Palestine. And there are Palestinians who are Christians. And in the midst of all this horrible stuff going on, they have a peace. That passes understanding because their hearts are focused on the Lord. In Jerusalem and in Israel, in the midst of all this chaos and war and hatred, there are those who have peace because they have the peace that only comes from God through Jesus Christ. And so it's not about world peace. It's about God, through the greatest gift ever given, offering us peace with him. And peace with him brings us peace, no matter what our surroundings are. Peace in the world, not the peace of the world. And there's such a difference. Well, in addition to that, That's one of the ways that the world is hijacking uh, the Christian faith is by trying to turn it toward just uh, uh, world peace and make this is something we can all agree on is world peace. What we need to be doing is sharing the gospel with people so that they can have the peace that God offers. Now, then the next one is universal atonement. We sang today, born that man m- n- m- no more may die. And uh, and it does, the angel does say, and uh, peace, and, and, and let's see, how's it going? And peace with those with whom he is well pleased. And I want you to know, either if you're listening here or if you're listening on the podcast later, God is pleased with you. You see, when he created you, he made you to be who you are. He put you right where you are at the time when he did that because the world needed you right now. And God don't make no junk. No matter what you think of yourself, God is pleased with you. No matter who you think you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, the real you, that you deep inside, He's pleased with you. And He loves you so much that He made a way for our relationship with Him to be complete by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. John 3.16 again the, uh, and universal atonement comes out of that. I told you about the universal, universalist church. They They, they say, yeah, Jesus came and Jesus died. And because he died, we're all going to go to heaven. No, we all get to go to heaven if we receive that wondrous gift that was given. Another one last thing to look at as far as How Christmas winds up being hijacked in ways that confuse and uh, can make us be concerned about what's Christianity really all about. See, this is, you need to keep yourselves in the faith so you can really enjoy the wonder of Christmas this year because it's so much deeper than sentimentality. Nothing wrong with family. Nothing wrong with sentimentality. Nothing wrong with the warmth and all of that we have of this time of the year. But it's not about the Christmas spirit. It's about the greatest gift ever given. It's about the greatest story ever told. It's about the great Savior that God has sent into the world for us. And that brings up the last thing we'll talk about and that is, you'll find people trying to explain away miracles. Whenever I was first in, uh, well, whenever I was going to church camp in the summer at Lakeview, the first time I really recognized a false teacher was when we were sitting there at Lakeview in camp. And uh, the, uh, the, the leader, a preacher who uh, was a great leader in our uh, particular denomination, was sitting there with us leading the discussion. And the discussion was, this was the question being discussed. Can you be saved and not believe in the virgin birth? And we had to uh, discuss that. And, uh, and we talked about, okay, what is salvation? Where does, how, do you, how, how are you saved and all that? And then, but, does, but did Jesus have to, have to be born of a virgin in order to die on the cross for your sins? Did it have to be that way? And this casts seeds of doubt in a lot of kids' minds. Kids just a little older than Isaiah there. And uh, uh, got people to questioning, got us kids to questioning the Bible. And then uh, you get on, so uh, uh, in the uh, the story, in the musical Porgy and Beth, Sporting Life sings this song about it ain't necessarily so. Some of y'all might not know the song, but after having that seed planted in my heart and then hearing this song, they just kind of helped. The seed to germinate. And the song, the one line in it is, uh, the things that you're liable to read in the Bible, they ain't necessarily so. That was Sport and Life's song. Now, Sport and Life was a drug dealer, but, uh, that's just it. Uh, he didn't believe. And he was making fun of the Bible. But these seeds could be sown. And so people try to explain away the virgin birth. And they want everything to be uh, caused by natural occurrences. And the latest one that you've seen probably is, uh, and once you see comes up regularly, is uh, the, uh, uh, the star, uh, the Christmas star. Uh, there have been all sorts of uh, just natural occurrences that are attributed to the star. First of all, well, let's just go through them. I'll, I'll go through three of them. 7 BC, there was a triple, conjunc- triple conjunction of uh, Jupiter and Saturn. And that, they, they wound up crossing paths three different times in a short period of time. And some people say, well, that had to be what the Bethlehem star was. And then in 5 B.C., there was a nova that was visible from the earth. Whenever a star was born and it put out a burst and say, oh, that 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 could have been the star. And then uh, let's see here. There's another one. Let's see. What's the other one? Uh, Oh, 3 B.C., Conjunction of Ju- Jupiter and Venus happened in 3 B.C. Again, and we've seen that happen in our lifetime. It makes a really bright star. But uh, this is just it. In, uh, first of all, in Greek, the word for star means basically a light in the sky. And so, if there was an airplane going over at night, and it's you could see its light going across, that would be a star. It's just a uh, a light in the sky, or and uh, and it. But anyway, what I'm saying is, it doesn't say it was a supernova. It doesn't say it was this. It doesn't say it was that. But then also, it did disappear, and then. In fact, they saw this, whatever it was, and then the wise men wound up going to Herod asking for directions. They didn't know. They couldn't see. They weren't being led by the star anymore. Then they visited with Herod and they go out and, whoa, there's the star again. And then it shone directly on the house where Jesus was. Just like one of these super beam flashlights that one of you is probably going to have in your Christmas stocking this year, just beaming right down on the house, you know. And if it was really, if if everybody could see that, why were people running from all over there at that time? And so there are all sorts of things that go into this, but people want to explain it away with a, a natural phenomenon. The danger of getting caught up in that is that you wind up uh, uh, trying to explain away all biblical occurrences like uh, the parting of the Red Sea. You've heard, oh, that was really the Reed Sea. And there was a professor trying to explain this one day in class that said, that was not a miracle that happened back then. That was the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea. And it was only four inches deep where the children of Israel went across. And somebody started, one of the guys started laughing in class and he said, what do you think so funny about that? He said, don't you think it's funny that the entire Egyptian army got drowned in four inches of water? <laughs> but the, you just don't. You don't. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is there is the miraculous. Amen. God still performs miracles today. And if you start trying to explain away the things in the Bible and take the power and supernatural uh, aspect of God from them, you wind up ultimately being pulled into, well, Jesus was just another man. And that's not so. And what we celebrate today, and what we celebrate during this Christmas time, is the fact that God did something so stupendous, so out of the ordinary, so unnatural, that it just boggles our mind. What we do know about the star is that it guided the wise men. And whenever they needed to see what they needed to see, the Lord provided the light He wanted them to find Jesus. He miraculously led them to the Lord. There are miracles that happen all the time, and people are always trying to explain them away. And sometimes, let's face it, it is our Creator that's doing these miracles And at the time that they're happening, they can seem like the most natural thing in the world. and I were talking this last week as we were discussing this. And I remember one time when our son, Joel, we were were together for family time for prayer. And uh, Joel said, could y'all pray for my feet? I've got this rash on my feet. And uh, he pulled off his shoes and his feet were covered with a rash. And so we said, okay, well, let's just pray right now. And as we prayed for Joel's feet to be healed, we watched the redness disappear. We watched his feet go back to normal right before our eyes. It looked so natural. The redness just went away. It was like time-lapse photography, like a healing being just sped up. But it happened. (laughs) And it was a miracle. And people might say it was just a coincidence. It was getting ready to go away right then anyway. Oh, it was psychosomatic. No, God answered prayer. And we serve a miracle-working God. And with the greatest miracle of all, was that the God loved us so much while we were yet in our sins. He sent us a Savior into this world. And so I just want to encourage you, hold fast to that faith once and for all delivered to the saints. And don't be pulled aside by false teachers and keep your eyes open to the false teachers, and it will not diminish Christmas for you. It won't make it any less. It will just underscore what we're really celebrating, what, why those lights are out and looking so beautiful this time of the year. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.